greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Federation Tag Team Champions. Please welcome the Mega Maniacs with Jimmy Hart, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and Hulk Hogan! Federation Tag Team Championship. Well, you know something, Mean Gene, now more than ever, with just one week away, I'm aware of how destiny is going to take its course, brother. Because just a few short weeks ago, bro, when I was laying in the weeds at Venice Beach, California, and I had Monday Night Raw tuned in for the greatest comeback of all times, I saw what could have been the worst nightmare in my life take place. I saw Money Incorporated run across the ring with a metal attache case with the speed of a lightning bolt. And as it crashed into Brutus the Bionic Barber Beefcake Blood Brothers face, I saw what I didn't want to see. I heard what I didn't want to hear. And as I turned my face and I turned back, the emotions ran from head to toe. I chilled, I goosebumped, and I broke a sweat as I stood up, man, and I rushed from head to toe. And when I turned on the automatic pilot in my mind, because I couldn't believe what was happening, 
I ran to the garage, and when I was out of my mind, I accidentally jumped on Brutus's wide glide. And as I kick-started the brother's bike, bruh, and as I ran down towards Venice Beach, I clicked it into fifth gear, and as I took a hairpin turn, I spun off the seat, and as I slid across the white sands, headed towards the Pacific Ocean, I buried my ear in the sands of Venice Beach. And then I heard it, brother. I heard what I didn't want to hear. I heard millions upon millions of Hulkamaniacs praying for Brutus the Barber. I heard the maniacs praying that the steel-tempered titanium plates were still in place. And then on automatic pilot, I kick-started the Brothers Wide Glide one more time. And for seven nights and seven days, I rode towards the bright lights of New York City. And as I got there, I was sniffing for the hair tonic. I was sniffing for the bushwhacks. And lo and behold, as I kicked down the Ramada Inn store on 48th and 8th Avenue, just a little bit north of a mid-city gym, I found the brother Brutus the Barber Beefcake with his feet propped up on an ottoman, laid back in a lazy boy chair, watching Mo Larry and Curly with an ice pack on his nose. Thank God for the big man upstairs that Brutus the Barber is okay and all he had was a broken nose. Thank God, Brutus. You know, it goes like this. I spent two days running up and down the aisles of Kmart, picking up that tonic, getting all that hair color together, and getting ready to do a number on Money Incorporated. And then it came to me. It just aren't even worth it, brother. They're not worth the effort. So I took to the desert outside Las Vegas, chopping down some big nasty-looking cactuses, trying to dull up the titanium steel blades, chopped down a couple of small mountains, and then it came to me, brother. I knew that I'd just throw the scissors away because I'm just going to yank the hair right out of their heads. <laughs> you know something, Brutus? I hope you put a ball on both of those dudes. But you know something? Since everything's gonna go so good in Las Vegas, man, I've got a surprise for both of you guys. Just last week, when you saw me hanging off Santa Monica Pier doing some fishing with my bare hands, brother, those two 10-foot hammerhead sharks that I drunk up out of the Pacific Ocean, they weren't for snack time, dudes. Those fish were for a reason. I've already taken the chlorine out of the pool at Caesar's Palace, and I've filled it full of salt water, brother. I got a bunch of sea urchins in there and a few nasty mermaids, brother. And as I throw those hammerheads into the pool, Brutus, you need to help me pry their jaws open, brother. Because as I put the world title belts across their dentures, those sharks are going to have lockjaw, brother. That way, when we throw all the bathing beauties, all the Hulkamaniacs in the pool, those sharks won't be able to touch a hair on their chinny-chin-chin. And it's me, Brutus the Barber, and Jimmy Hart hang ten all through the straddle of the night, brother, celebrating our victory at Caesar's Palace. The only thing left for the detail man to do will be this. Let's take the two cases of suntan oil I've got, and as the sun rises in the east, get all those female Hulkamaniacs, all those beautiful Hulkamaniacs, and make sure, Brutus, that they've got an even tan from head to toe. So Las Vegas, Nevada, and the whole wide world, what you gonna do when the Mega Maniacs 
Welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, J.P. John Paz, of course, here on the TMPT feed, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am the one-man power trip behind the two-man power trip each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, talking about the greatest time period ever in the history of the business, 1984 to 1993, the Hogan Era, the Golden Era, the man that did it all and that basically made Vince McMahon a millionaire. We're talking about the immortal Hulk Hogan. Also, talking about some of the greatest feuds ever in the history of the business, involving, of course, the Hulkster, and in that great 84 to 93 time period. Each and every week, we're talking about feuds with guys like Yokozuna, Earthquake, Andre the Giant, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, a almost feud. And a little bit of a feud lure with Jake the Snake Roberts. I mean, we talk about a lot of different things, a lot of different topics on this show. Want to mention this very interesting. If you follow me on social media at Two Man Power Trip on Twitter and Instagram, you'll see over the weekend last week, I was able to hang out with the Hulkster himself. Yes, I went down. I was hanging out with a buddy of mine down there in Florida. Took a little bit of a drive to Clearwater Beach over there in the Tampa area, beautiful area, and went down to the Hogan's Beach Shop, met the Hulkster, was hanging out uh, at the awesome beach shop down there, and, and Hogan's Hangout. He's got a bar right next door as well. Awesome stuff. I highly recommend visiting the beach shop, and I highly recommend visiting his bar as well. But it's great to meet the Hulkster again. I believe that's the fifth. Yeah, I believe that's the fifth time I've met the Hulkster. So very, very cool. I actually showed him a little bit of a rough draft of what I was working on with the Hogan era. Yeah, you, know, you, you get a few minutes, you know, as, as you're going through the line, you're getting autographs and pictures and everything else with the Hulkster. Uh, briefly telling him, you know, somehow, some way, you're almost uh, underrated. I don't even know how that's even possible because you're the greatest superstar of all time. But, you know, it's almost like the, your matches were kind of undervalued, underappreciated, underrated a bit. You know, your feuds with Harley Race and, and Terry Funk and, and guys like Bad News Brown and guys that kind of went under the radar – how you had all these awesome matches and it's almost forgotten about and almost not talked about, but it should be talked about more often. That's why I do this podcast. Um, that's why I, I'm working on another project uh, hopefully, you know, some sort of book or some sort of guide with all these matches. And believe me, I got a, I got a huge, huge list of matches. So suffice to say it was Hogan approved. It's Hulk Hogan approved as the Hogan era. Like I'll, I'll like to say, and I like to throw that out there a lot. So the Hogan era is now Hulk Hogan approved as he was liking that. Thank you, brother. You know, he was really appreciative. He loves his fans. I mean, I could have told him, you know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm killing dogs out there or something that he probably would have, you know, would have been okay with it, but just wanted to make sure I brought it to his attention and, you know, say that, Hey, there's some uh, big time Hogan fans out there that still love you and still appreciate you. And even though Vince McMahon, for some stupid reason, said that John Cena's greatest superstar of all time, we really know that it's Hulk Hogan. And it's funny. I, I talk about Meltzer. Sometimes I was looking at his Twitter and somebody wrote to him something about Vince saying that Cena is the biggest superstar of all time. And he even wrote like, please let's, let's be serious here. Cena is good. You can, 
you know, think about him, whatever you want. But Hogan was a major game changer. He was a way bit bigger star. He was the greatest superstar in WWF history. Not seen it. So even Meltzer, who is a notorious Hogan hater and never rates his matches properly and and really was kind of the, the reason why I decided to look into all these Hogan matches was because, like, okay, he's the biggest moneymaker of all time. He's not a good worker. Uh, the reason you are a good worker is because you're making all this money. So pretty just silly and ridiculous just to even think that um, the Hulkster wasn't higher up there in a lot of the matches and a lot of the rankings. I mean, unbelievable matches and unbelievable stories and unbelievable history uh, for the, for the Hulkster and for his career. So, I mean, my God, if you just look at WrestleMania five, him versus Savage is an awesome, awesome match. And I don't even think I got three stars uh, from Dave. So uh, just one of those things where it's like, obviously the system's a little bit faulty, a little crazy as far as the way that goes, because Hogan deserves way better. And if you go by crowd responses, what you should go for as a fan, all Hogan matches are good because he always had the best crowd response. It was just amazing. Him versus The Rock at WrestleMania 18. I know it's not Hogan ever per se, but got three stars. That's a five-star match. The crowd was absolutely nuts. Everything they do meant something. Uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable match. Obviously, should have been the main event as well, and I think everybody afterwards would admit that that is probably true. But And it was a big mistake that it wasn't the match that went on last. But I digress, and let's talk about the Hogan era. And let's talk about somebody in the Hogan era we haven't talked about before, but mentioned him briefly because he was in Money, Inc., and that is Erwin R. Scheister, a.k.a. IRS. When you talk about Money, Inc., obviously they had a big feud with the Mega Maniacs. That was Hogan's kind of last hurrah, his last foray really before the Yokozuna match and the tour of Europe, which was the Hulkamania tour, which Hogan fought Yoko and beat him every night by DQ. It's basically the swan song or, or the penultimate was the IRS, Ted DiBiase, Money, Inc., feud with the Mega Maniacs of Hogan and Beefcake. But before we get there, Mike Rotunda was in the WWF all the way back in 1984 as Rotunda and Barry Windham joined the World Wrestling Federation as the U.S. Express. Man, it's crazy to think, 84. Long, long, almost 40 years ago that team was uh, rocking and rolling. Um, it was interesting, though. He was billed as Mike Rotundo, not Mike Rotunda. It's very weird, not sure why. It is what it is. I guess it kind of doesn't matter, but I always thought that was weird. It should have been, obviously, like his namesake should have been Mike Rotunda. I really kind of don't understand the Rotundo, but it is what it is. But they would win the WBF World Tag Team Championship twice, first from Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis in January of 85. Then they would go on to have a huge feud with the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. They would lose the tag titles at WrestleMania 1. They would then regain the tag team titles in June of 1985 and then losing them two months later to the dream team of Brutus the Barber Beefcake, well, actually pre-Barber, so Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Wyndham would really lose, um, would leave WBF kind of soon thereafter, and Rotunda would stay and wrestle in some singles matches really until early, very early 1986. And kind of, 
would briefly have a return to the WWF in the fall of 86 and briefly team with Golden Boy Danny Spivey to be the new version of the U.S. Express, but they were kind of you know like a job or tag team. They weren't really winning many matches, and they lost to um, demolition a lot on house shows, and they were never considered to be anything sort of uh, top contenders. The U.S. Express with Wyndham Rotunda would reunite in the AWA. Rotunda would then go down to Florida Championship Wrestling, and then obviously, as we know, would have a nice run in JCP to Jim Crockett Promotions and WCW from 1987 to about 1991 and obviously would be a big part of the varsity club as he'd be the captain of the varsity club obviously you had um, a big feud with the road wars involved there but uh, the varsity club was dan spivey dr death steve williams you had kevin sullivan involved um, you had ricky steiner but then they had a feud with rick steiner then they had a few of the steiner brothers really really interesting interesting stuff going on there with the Catholic Mike Rotunda, he would eventually be Michael Wall Street. He'd be part of the York Foundation before making his way back to the WWF in 1991 as Erwin R. Scheister. He returned in April of 1991. Of course, he abbreviated Erwin R. Scheister. You get IRS. He was a heel gimmick. Obviously, everybody hates the tax man, but he was being a former IRS tax collector from Washington, you, um, Washington, D.C. He was known for harassing wrestlers, harassing fans, calling them tax cheat, and he kept saying to them that he wanted them to pay their fair share. Just to me, obviously, you think about you want cheap heat, you want a heel gimmick. IRS, really, I mean, that does the trick. Wrestling in the tie and the suspenders a lot of times <laughs> would do a cheap trick, too. They're a little dangerous, you know, for him. But obviously, I mean, really, really, um, there's some cheap heat there. Everybody hates, hates the tax, man. Everybody hates paying taxes. You know, there's death, there's taxes. Everybody hates taxes. It's just one of those things where it was simple, simple, easy heel heat there. He would really further the persona by having his flying clothesline be called the write-off so really in, in the grand scheme of things he was just a big time heel in the business as irs and really not a top flight guy but mid-card guy upper mid-card and eventually he'll be teaming up with dibiase which goes obviously perfect you got the money guy you got the tax guy put them together they make money inc jimmy hart would be the manager eventually and then obviously jimmy hart would would, would turn babyface but if you think about it, it's like, okay, you got Money, Inc., you got this this team together. What are they going to be? They're going to be top flight heels. They're going to be going after the tag team titles. You know, they're going to be thought of as pretty good. Not necessarily a, you know, main event team or anything, but they are going to be considered um, a pretty decent team as far as just being top of the run, uh, upper mid card not necessarily um down the chain not necessarily main event either but they would have some main events on house shows obviously we'll get to that in a little bit involving hulk hogan and bruce the barber beefcake think about it though when they won the tag titles it was kind of a surprise you had to kind of wonder what was going on with lod at that point too because Remember, if you remember this, in SummerSlam 1991, Legion of Doom beat the Nasty Boys and they win the tag titles. They hold it for 165 days, which is pretty good. But I don't know, you would think that they would almost hold them for more. To me, anyway, that would be kind of my thought process on it. But so you got Money Inc. winning it at a house show in Denver over the LOD obviously IRS and Ted DiBiase, February 7th, 1992. They go on and they hold it for 164 days. 
Then they lose it to Natural Disasters on July 20th, 1992, in a house show in Worcester, Mass. Natural Disasters hold up for 85 days. Then Money, Inc. defeats Natural Disasters on a wrestling challenge taping in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. On October of 1992, they end up having a nice long title run, holding the belt for 244 days before losing in Columbus, Ohio, to a house show to the Steiner Brothers on June 14th, 1993, before Steiner Brothers lose it right back to Money, Inc. on June 16th, 1993, the house show from Rockford, Illinois. Then on June 19th, three days later, the Steiner Brothers win it back again and defeat Bunny Inc. for the tag titles. Obviously, we then hold it for 86 days. They lose to the Quebecers, and it goes on and on from there. It's just really interesting to kind of note and just to think, like, okay, they're Money Inc. three-time tag team champions, but they had two pretty good runs, 164 days, 244 days, and then obviously only three days in the title run. I mean, think about that. They beat the two greatest tag teams, in my view, of all time, LOD, and the Steiner brothers. So, and, and they beat natural disasters, a pretty good team too. So, I mean, they had a nice significant run. They had a pretty good spot on the card for sure. And it's one of those things where it's like, wow, good job by, um, by money Inc there just by resume, obviously beating LOD and beating the Steiner brothers, but what a nice lengthy title run they had. there. pretty, pretty damn good there. Um, beat the Steiner brothers twice, really. So, he would eventually join the million dollar corporation and he had a little mini few with IRS. If you remember, they had the intercontinental title match at the Royal rumble, which he lost. And seemingly though, Scheister thought he won, but there was interference in the match with Shawn Michaels. So he was, you know, inches away, very close away. It's a Pat Patterson special where you give the guy the title. They think they won second ref came down and says he was cheating. So they kind of reverse the decision or they start the match again. And then, you know, when they do, start the match again. RS is not the intercontinental champion razor's edge. Boom. Razor Ramon beats him. So he was this close to being the IC champ, but three times WF tag team champion is pretty good. Eventually he would join the million dollar corporation. He would be teaming up with Bam Bam Bigelow. They would unsuccessfully try for the tag team gold. He then had a feud with the undertaker and they had a bunch of matches, including a casket match. Um, really um, interesting feud. It's like one of those things where it's like IRS was kind of, on his way back down or on his way towards the mid card, but they kind of kept him in a pretty good spot, feuding with Razor Moan and then feuding with The Undertaker. With him, though, he would end up leaving, obviously, the WWF. His last match was July 30th, 1995, but we'll get to that in a second before he joins WCW again as Michael Wall Street and VK Wall Street and becomes a member of the NWO uh, and then kind of goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling for a while as, as Michael Wall Street, part of NWO Japan. He was there and really spent most of his time in Japan as far as just being NWO and, and doing a lot of things. Like He was technically WCW from 95, 97, and really New Japan from 97 to 99, but quite a long longer run in New Japan and wrestled way more for New Japan than he did for WCW. But hey, that's where the money was at the time. And WCW had too many guys. It's like AEW right now. Too many guys, too many top stars. Well, he wasn't doing much. So hey, I'll go to Japan, make some money and wrestle there. Obviously, we remember the Varsity Club reunion in 99 and 2000, which didn't work out too well. And kind of the rest goes on uh, from there. But let's go back to Hulk Hogan and the Hogan era and the history between IRS and the Hulkster. So I was talking about how Really, Hulk Hogan and Rotunda, a.k.a. the IRS, would start their feud in 93 and really first touch at Royal Rumble 92. 
But there was a match with Mike Rotunda, which technically falls in the Hogan era, that was held on February 9th, 1985. It was a $50,000 Battle Royal, which was won by Hulk Hogan and Hillbilly Jim. Also in that match was all tag teams. Wyndham and Rotunda were in that match. So that's technically the first match that those two ever had together. And, of course, that's part of the Hogan era. And, you know, you got to count it because Hogan era, I know we're not necessarily talking about IRS to feud, but I wanted just to bring that up just for some context and talk about kind of where they were at and, you know, kind of where they left off. If you think about the Hogan era itself, so it, it really ends when Hogan leaves in, in September of 93, really his last match is June of 93, but he has the, the house show really, I guess you could say August 93 could be the cutoff, but that is, We'll say the end of August, just just for um, just for you know for for uh, for whatever sake, we'll just say that that's kind of well that'll be the cutoff for because that's when Hogan leaves. But obviously, he did the European tour, like I mentioned, where he beat Yokozuna a bunch over there, and then he was fully gone. So as far as Rotunda and Hogan, like I said, Royal Rumble nineteen ninety two, Every Man for Himself, Knickerbocker Arena one nineteen ninety two. That's where Hulk Hogan and IRS were in the same match together, technically. IRS, the gimmick, for the first time, Ric Flair wins the vacated WWF world title. Then then the first match that these guys really had together as far as being in a feud was the Mega Maniacs at Bruce Beefcake and Hulk Hogan defeating Money, Inc., IRS, and DiBiase at a house show in Lakeland, Florida at the Lakeland Civic Center, 3-19-1993. Then they have a little bit of buildup and some history. Hogan really wasn't on the show much, but, you know, you're having some promos and you're building up little by little, as little as you can, as little as really Hogan gave in 93. He wasn't around much, but the next big match, of course, 4-4-1993, WrestleMania 9, the biggest stars in the world are coming out of Las Vegas, Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, Nevada, the Money, Inc., Irwin R. Scheister, and DiBiase, who were the tag team champions, end up defeating the Mega Maniacs, Hogan, and beefcake by dq about 18 minutes and 30 seconds you thought mega maniacs won that one and be the tag teams for jimmy hart you're not a ref doesn't count if you make the pin um it's got to be by a referee and and the referee saw hogan using the briefcase and getting the loss so rare wrestlemania loss for hogan so big win for irs and dibiase obviously hogan coming out later in the night and be okazuna for the world title so all was right in the world and he goes one and one that day at WrestleMania. The next match that they have together, 5-21-1993, the Mega Maniacs defeat IRS and Ted DiBiase at the Civic Center in Pittsburgh, PA. That was a world tag team title match. So, of course, it was just a, a DQ finish there as Hogan and Beefcake never win the tag titles there for the WWF. So, um, all these are tag title matches, and they're all going to be won by the Mega Maniacs, but it's all going to be by DQ, so the title will not change hands. The next match is near and dear to me, 5-22-1993. Mega Maniacs defeat Money, Inc. by DQ. And that match that I'm first mentioning was in Philly, which was earlier in the day. So later on in the day is really the match that was near and dear to me. So two matches in one day for Hogan, 522-93, from Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Again, Mega Maniacs defeat Bunny Inc. by DQ, so they do not win the tag titles. But I was at this show. Great show. I remember it very, very well. My dad took me and my brother. Awesome stuff. It wasn't a sellout, but at the time, they were kind of struggling in ticket sales. So 11,000 people, and it was pretty damn jam-packed in there. So pretty good audience um to have for a house show in a kind of a struggling market in 93 
for the WF. And while Hogan is kind of in, he's kind of got one foot out. He's kind of, you know, not really there per se. So pretty good house show. I actually love it. I'm just going to read down the matches just because I remember how much fun I had and how awesome it was. And me and brother loved the show. Owen Hart defeated Terry Taylor to start off the match. The head shrinker, Sam Fat 2 defeated the Steiner brothers. Doink defeated Crush in a crazy match, which was like almost like, wow, I can't believe this match is happening. Randy Savage defeated the Giant Gonzalez by DQ. Virgil ends up beating Blake Beverly. Tatanka defeats Razor Ramon. And then the main event, the Mega Maniacs, like I mentioned, defeated Money Inc. by DQ. So pretty damn fun show. Pretty damn fun house show. Seven matches. Great night, great memories. Absolutely loved as a kid going to that show and a bunch of shows. I just loved house shows. Um, always had um, very fondness, especially if Hogan was involved. Hogan's in the main event, you know, and he's doing his shtick to close out the show. The next match was 6 4, 1993. Same result. It was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Mega Maniacs defeat on the ink, but by DQ, so they don't win the tag title. Sergeant Slaughter was the guest referee for that one. Six five six 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 eleven from Richmond, from Albany, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. All Mega Maniacs defeating Money Inc. by DQ. You know, basically you send a crowd home happy, but they didn't want to give Hogan Beefcake the tag titles. Six twelve, same result this time. Slaughter's the referee. Then they have a six fourteen wrestling challenge to three fifty seven at the Columbus, Ohio Convention Center. Mega Maniacs defeat Money Inc. by DQ there. Slaughter, like I mentioned, is the guest referee. That was a dark match at this taping. And then the final match that Hogan and IRS went together. 626-1993 house show in Boston, Mass. The Boston Garden. Slaughter's the referee. Hogan and Beefcake get the win there. The Mega Maniacs win by DQ over Money Inc. Really, his last match, a part of the Hogan era, was a part of Superstars taping, which was on 8-31-1993. RIRS defeats Gary Jackson at two minutes and 40 seconds from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, you know, it is what it is. He had a bunch of matches before that as far as a feud with the Steiner brothers. Like I mentioned, a ton of house show matches with Money Inc. There he has a house show match against Macho Man in London, Ontario, Canada, um, towards the end of August, which he loses. Then, like I mentioned, he's got the big feud going with Razor Ramon as they have a ton of matches. And intercontinental title matches which is great really his last big hurrah king of the ring 1995 qualifying match king of the ring from core state spectrum in philly pa which was 6 25 1995 savio vega defeated him there he would then go on to lose the next night to Shawn michaels in a pretty good match in pennsylvania and then his last match in the wf 1995 Shawn michaels defeats irs at a house show at the star of the desert arena in gene Nevada. So 7-30-1995 is really his last match that he ever had in WBF. Obviously, he'd come back as a road agent, and he had a pretty nice career there where he recently was let go, but he is retired, and he loves it. I did an interview with him. He said he loved that he got released because he got to spend a lot more time at home and fishing and didn't have to travel anymore. He was getting up there in age, and he felt like, I don't really want to do all this work anymore. So not necessarily a huge feud for Hogan here, part of the Hogan era, but the Money Inc. versus Mega Maniacs was kind of like the last big feud for Hogan before he left the WWF and went to WCW. And the rest is history from there as he was kicking ass and taking names. Like I mentioned, Money Inc. was great. IRS was great. Great hand, great worker, great heel. Great heel heat being the tax man. Nice little feud for the Hulkster. And really the last feud for him in the, the WWF 
and the last feud for him in the Hogan era, as we know it. Really, Yokozuna is the last one, but that's the last big one. So pretty cool spot to be in if you're IRS and Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi. So let's hit the plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Head over to TeePublic. Check it out and buy the Hogan era t-shirt, tpublic.com slash stores slash tmpt. And you'll find it there. I mean, the Hogan era uh, logo is awesome. My buddy JK over at Iron Skull killed it again. So it looks awesome on a shirt. looks awesome on a sticker. Put it on anything. I love it. I highly suggest you out there. Please support the show and get a Hogan era shirt or whatever. I mean, when it's on sale, it's, I think it's like $14. Some crazy, crazy great deal and great quality. So thank you, everybody out there for listening. See you right back here next week for a little Hogan era podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother. Oh, this, the referee's got to use a great deal of discretion here. Beefcake is in big time trouble. Oh, no. Great, and IRS, and a smile on his face. He is so happy with what is transpiring here. Boy, it sounds like a trip to the hardware store. I can hear the screws moving. I can oh, hear please. the metal plates wow. going. I'm always dead. I've always said that Beefcake more, has more guts than brains. Come on, go ahead. Uh, don't forget about the titanium steel plate. In his face, right? I know that. He's like a refrigerator. Let's hang some magnets on him oh. and the grocery list. Goodness, God. The <laughs> man's a, a human being. I don't like Pressing this. Are you going to die? And double toes on. That might have saved his life right there. Might have saved his life. Can he make the tag to Hogan? Hogan is, and Jimmy Hart both say, come over and make the tag. He's choking him. No, it's the sleeper. No, it's a choke. Beefcake's got the sleeper on it's IRS. Choke. I wish you'd just get out of the ring. I can see where it is right there in the Adams apple. He's choking him. Uh-oh, give me give me a Referee down. Club sandwich. That's a club sandwich to go. Hold the mail. They all went down on that one. Three people down. Referee down, IRS has this. And Beefcake is holding his face. It's Hulkster and DiBiase looking eye to eye now. His ears are now where his lips used to be, it looks like to me. It's anybody's matchup right now. His nose is under his arm. And the tag team title on the line. Never never looked better. IRS gets there, makes the tag. You heard that tag. DiBiase and Beefcake tag Hulk Hogan. But the referee didn't see the tag. Who cares? Beefcake's out of there. We need him out of there. Hogan is back. Big right hand. Hogan now becoming dominant with DiBiase. Irish man. Calling the foot right to the face. Catches up. Coming in. On the lower abdomen. Lower abdomen? He's got that. That, that was bargain basement. Oh, he's using he the that. titania thing. Fire with fire. There's no referee. There's no referee. Jimmy Hart, you get out of there, you little miserable runt. 
A referee is down. Jimmy Hart trying to. Here goes the tag team title. What is Hart doing? Who knows? He's turning his back. No, 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 no. doing here right now. Well, Steve Tech and Hogan have got the tag team championship belt. Here comes another official. I'm not sure about this. What kind of a calling are they going to rule on this? Let's see this. There we go. There we go. He's raised the hand of money. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the referee's decision. The winner of this bout as a result of a disqualification. And still, World Wrestling yes, Federation yes, yes. Money in Like they told me last night, the money's in the bank. I'll tell you, that call doesn't surprise me. I got a minute. Watch the, out. The champions from behind, but they may not have been a very prudent move there either. They've got their title. They've got their belt. They want to have a little word with Danny Davis here. Official. You hit him, you're suspended. Well, you're going to probably Hogan. They'll probably give him 350000 What's Jimmy saying to the... What's Jimmy doing now? Tell the Mega Maniacs not to level Danny Davis. Well, that's a good decision right there. And you want to keep... Oh, he wanted to do it. Awesome. Awesome. The Mega Maniacs are the Mega Maniacs.